Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. We're heading into a North London Derby weekend, and if things go our way, we could just be one point behind Tottenham at the end of play. And when you consider that just a couple of weeks ago, they were not necessarily out of sight or uncatchable, but it seemed very unlikely. An illustration, perhaps, of how quickly things can change in football. We will be looking ahead to that game. We'll be talking a bit about the Bournemouth game as well. And later on in the second part of this show, sort of, Myself and James will do what we promised we'd do on the Arscast Extra, which is to go through all the fixtures um, and make predictions to see who is going to finish in the top four. Now, I have to admit, in the cold light of day, having done this this morning, I think I got a little bit carried away. I don't want to say exactly which way, but once I'd finished making the predictions, I was a little bit like, oh, I'm not sure if that's realistic. Nevertheless, we uh, we go through all the games, the Arsenal games, the Chelsea games, the Manchester United games, and because they're now being sucked back into this race for the top four a little bit, and hopefully this weekend we can, um, we can drag them back into it. That's a much better word. Than, than suck when it comes to this kind of thing. And we can drag them back into this scrap for the top four. So we've done all the Tottenham games as well, and we've made predictions based on all those fixtures, and you can hear that in part two of the show. We'll be chatting about Bournemouth and looking ahead to Tottenham now in a couple of minutes' time. Just want to touch on very briefly, this week, of course, was the 17th anniversary, the 17th birthday of Arsblog as a website. It began on February 27th, 2002. And uh, here we are, still in 2000 and 2019. Do you ever get that thing where you you say the year out loud and it seems ridiculously futuristic, even though it's the present? You know, when you get to a year in which uh, a science fiction movie, a classic science fiction movie was set when you were a kid or growing up and 2019 seemed well, so far down the road that it was almost impossible that you'd ever, you'd ever get that far. But here we are. And to all the people who sent very nice messages, thank you very much indeed. I really do appreciate them. Many of you said, oh, my God, I can't believe it's been 17 years. Now I feel really old because I've been reading this website since the start. And I can't believe 17 years of my life has gone by. It has. And for me as well. I definitely felt old, too. I think this, I think the website is probably more my marker uh, than my actual birthday. 
if that makes some kind of weird sense. I don't think I've ever done anything as long. Certainly no job uh, has ever lasted this long in my life. And, uh, well, I I think I'm kind of stuck with this one. Stuck in a good way, of course. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who got in touch by email, on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all the various ways that people can get in touch with you these days uh, to say uh, happy birthday and congratulations and all that stuff. But thank you, and thank you for being with us. We really, really appreciate it. So, uh, we had uh, a win in midweek against Bournemouth 5-1, five different goal scorers. Uh, We played pretty well. I think you can always say you play pretty well when you win 5-1, but it followed up the game against Southampton, in which we also played pretty well, maybe not for the 90 minutes, but there was a good 45 minutes in there, and that followed on from the Bate-Borisov win, which was functional, I suppose, at best, but nevertheless, it was a win, and we've created a little bit of a momentum going into the North London derby this weekend. So with me to chat about the Bournemouth game and to look ahead to the the derby, I'm joined uh, by Phil Costa of One Football. Hi, Phil. Hi Andrew, how's it going? Good, thanks. Let's start with the game against Bournemouth because it's come uh, after a good performance against Southampton. Not such a great performance against Bate Borisov, but it felt like another little step in the right direction uh, for Arsenal. Not just in terms of result, but I think we've all looked for a bit more now that we're six or seven months into Unai Emery's reign as manager. Results are one thing, but there's been a, a desire to see something a bit more than just a result, some performance, some good football, and there are signs that we're we're getting a bit of that now in the last two games. Particularly on Wednesday, you score five goals. Uh, you can't argue with the with the kind of football we played. No, definitely. I mean, watching us, particularly in the, in the first half against Southampton and and throughout the ninety minutes against Bournemouth, it makes our you know slow, ponderous play over Christmas and New Year even more frustrating because. You know we can we can play well. We can yeah. play this, you know, quick, intense style of football that Emery wants us to play. Um, but for whatever reason, it wasn't happening. Um, but now you can slowly see the confidence coming back. You can see combinations beginning to develop. Everyone seems to be fit again after you know a difficult difficult period, a busy period over Christmas, and it was just really you know, enjoyable to watch Arsenal again, which hasn't often been the case. Yeah. Um, and you can say it was against Bournemouth who, who, um, you know, hit with injuries themselves, but you know, this is the first time in a long time that I could see part of the plan coming together. And for me personally, that was, uh, extremely encouraging. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Most teams, I think they've, I read something about this a while ago and, you know, I'm paraphrasing in a big way, but generally at some point during a season, a team goes through a kind of physical slump, uh, you know, where things don't quite work as, as well as they should. And they come out of that again. And, and many teams are conditioned to end the season strongly from a physical point of view. And I do wonder if part of our problem over the last six, eight weeks was that coupled with the fact that we had a lot of injuries, um, which exacerbated perhaps those physical issues that some of the players were having. Because, you know, even when we were grinding out results during that 22-game unbeaten run, and I think we have to say a number of those results were, you know, there was brilliant football, the way we played against Fulham, the way we played against Tottenham, but there were also Mm -hmm. games where we just kind of, not necessarily went through the motions, but we did what we had to do to win. 
but there are signs now perhaps that with the players more physically uh, in tune and perhaps coming out the far side of that, that the football is I- improving in a way. So the physical effort that we saw in those games where he grounded out, you know, uh, there was no lack of effort or anything like that, but maybe just mm-hmm. a little bit of lack of quality. But we're perhaps combining the two things in those last two games and, and those signs are a bit encouraging. No, definitely. I think mentally people forget how challenging, you know, football can be at the top level. Um, you know, you're learning under a new manager. Uh, the pressure is is well and truly on in the race for a Champions League football again. So that's another another point we had to take into account. But obviously, the injuries hit us hard, and you have to adapt to that. And mm. it's when you're under a new manager or new ideas, you know, he's sort of reshuffling, and the players are reshuffling, and naturally, that's going to create a blip. Um, but you're right. I think the the players look a lot fitter and sharper. I mean, um, Mkhitaryan, just to touch on him briefly, was you know not in everyone's uh, good books before his injury. I mean, he's, he's he always tries. He never hides. Um, but you know, touches went astray. He would he would always fade in games. But I think since he's come back, he's he's been really sharp. Um, and and what's crucial is he he's productive. Um, you know, we have I- Iwobi and Ozil who are more cohesive players. You know, they like to knit everything together. Mm. And um, we've, we sort of lacked that incision uh, in the final third. And whatever you think about Mkhitaryan, he's come back and contributed pretty well so far. So yeah. I think, um, you know, players coming back at the, at the right time, Ozil seems quite energised as well, even though it's it's only been a few games. But hopefully now we can sort of ride on a bit of momentum yeah. into a, a really crucial period. I mean, I think there's an interesting point when you talk about Mkhitaryan coming back and looking fresh. He was out for six weeks with an injury. So mm-hmm. he naturally is going to be a bit more fresh, perhaps not as match fit, but you know, there's no sense of fatigue from him because he hasn't played over that, that festive period. Mesut Ozil, as we know, has been in and out of the team through illness and through injury and for tactical reasons and for probably other reasons that we don't even know about. But the the benefit of that, if there is one, I guess, is that he too is not going to be somebody whose legs are heavy and weary at this point of the season. So I'm not saying it's all part of any kind of master plan by Emery, you know, to keep Ozil fresh for the business end of the season. But it's timely, isn't it, that you have two players who are two very talented players. Uh, You know, they've got their critics, but, you know, when you look at what they did last night against the likes of Southampton and what they did, uh, or against Bournemouth rather, and, and, uh, and Mkhitaryan was good against Southampton as well. You know, when you look at some of the opposition we've got to play uh, between now and the end of the season, these guys could make a real impact in those games. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to note perhaps the opposite of what's happened uh, to Lucas Torreira. Um, You know, he was slowly brought into the side um, and then he was a a mainstay, you know, for a a good few months. And, you know, you can, you can sort of see now maybe his, his touch is a bit loose sometimes. And, you know, he's a bit, a bit lethargic getting back. And, and there's no doubt that, you know, coming from Serie A where the football is naturally a lot slower than the Premier League and you're afforded two weeks over the new year as well. Yeah. You know, he's he's come to England and he's playing, 
you know, especially over Christmas, he's playing a game every three days and he's getting kicked every two minutes and running 11 kilometers a game. Yeah. You know, so that's, it's interesting to see how, while some players have benefited from a rest and some have maybe have dropped off a bit. So I think it's, it's all about just balancing your squad, balancing energy. Um, but absolutely, as we head into, you know, a, a big game against Spurs on the weekend and United are coming up and we've got the Europa League, I think it's always good to have, you know, players fit, you know, regardless what you think of them. Mm. I, I One of the things that strikes me as well is that we have had to use Aubameyang and Lacazette together quite often, even though we haven't really played very uh, regularly with with two strikers. There was uh, the game a couple of weeks ago, wasn't there? I can't remember which one, but we played played the two of them essentially as, as forwards. But generally speaking, we're playing a one-striker system with maybe Aubameyang playing from the left or the right, uh, even Lacazette dropping off and, and uh, you know, that, those two switching around. But now that we've got Ozil back. Now that we've got Mkhitaryan back, Iwobi is finding some form again. Ramsey's in there. Uh, you know, there's even Dennis Suarez who can add some uh, some cover, at least on the bench in, in those wide positions. It means that between now and May, we're probably going to chop and change our striker a little bit. So for some mm-hmm. games, it's going to be Aubameyang. Some games, it's going to be Lacazette, and I know the two of them have got a great connection, but that too strikes me as somewhat advantageous or or beneficial to us in that, you know, you're not playing one guy into the ground, you're not playing two guys into the ground, and if you start either one, you know you've got somebody of established quality on the bench itching to get off and to come on and make a contribution. We saw that uh, against Bournemouth on, on Wednesday night. Uh, mm-hmm. Lacazette comes off the bench and scores a goal. Aubameyang has gone off having scored the goal that I think he needed, you know, having gone three or four games without a goal. I think that too could be something uh, that Emery is going gonna, is gonna to look at between now and May, you know, and particularly as long as we're in the Europa League as well. Yeah, I mean, I just watching that game the other day. It's we've had some some brilliant strikers at Arsenal down the years, um, but just to to be able to to call on either of these guys is is a huge advantage for us because uh, you know they score pretty regularly now. Like when you watch Arsenal, um, often in the past it's it's been who's going to score today, where are the goals going to come from, especially. Uh, you know, with Wenger in, in the latest stages where, where things really weren't in any sort of, you know, healthy condition. But now you you expect either Aubameyang or Lacazette to be on the score sheet or even both, um, you know, which is a huge, a huge advantage. And, and what's good is they both bring different qualities to the side. Um, Aubameyang offers you threat in, in the channels and, and uh, you know, pure predatory instincts in the box, whereas Lacazette, you know, he's improved so much at coming deep. He likes to link the play and he's got a lot better at, at shielding the ball now as well. I think he was uh, very easily bullied off the ball in his first season, but he seems to have, you know, become a lot more physical, which is great. And, you know, these these guys are are really bonding well together and they're they're fighting for the same cause, which which can only help. So, you know, it's 
always good to have to have goals from wide areas and, and from midfield. But when you have two strikers in hot, in red hot form, you know this is this can only be an advantage for you. Yeah, interesting point. Uh, a tweet sent to me by Sunak at Sunak, and I said, you know, after he scored the free kick, I didn't know he had that in his locker. And he says, well, that was the first direct free kick goal scored by Lacazette in league football. That's 260, right, okay. 262 games across Liga and mm-hmm. the, the Premier League. So, you know, there's uh, there's another nice little development because, uh, you know, having somebody who can curl in the odd free kick uh, is very handy too. Um, the the relationship between them, I think, is, is quite interesting uh you know we know from their social media that they're big friends and they get on really well and they have a good laugh together and they celebrate together you know when they score the goal the other makes the point of going across to the sideline to 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 celebrate with his mate but i do wonder as well if there's a competitive dynamic in that too you know, it's great to it's great that they get on. It's great that they're mates, but I do wonder if there's something a bit more to it. You know, as well. You know, if you have a mate and you both play football, and you know, I'm going to score more than you. I wonder is mm-hmm. there an element of that to it? You know, good competition that could drive them and motivate them. Well, I think that's what essentially that's what we've always wanted at Arsenal. Um, you know, when when Lichtsteiner came in in the summer, this was supposed to be the. the the resurgence of Bellerin, you know, some healthy competition to spur him on, and and it's the, it's the same with Aubameyang and Lacazette. You know, they're you know they're they're not going to really cause much of a trouble or or much of a you know a, a fight between between each other or, or within the club. But healthy competition will always you know spur you on to become a better player because at the end of the day, you always want to play. Mm. Um, and and when both are scoring so regularly. Um, that only demands you to raise your level further and further. So um, having them, you know, competitive off the bench and and good mates, you know, behind the scenes as well, will is only is only good for us, as as you mentioned before. So you know, they're always adding different different things to their game. They're always trying to trying to score. But I've really enjoyed how how selfless they've both been uh, at times this season as well, which mm. um, you know, which has been really good to see. So um, we have, as fans, I think, been trying to figure out what Unai Emery is really all about, you know, because we, uh, through experience and also by just osmosis over the years, we knew what Arsene Wenger was about. We knew him inside out and back to front, which isn't to say we always did. But what we didn't have in the early years of Arsene Wenger was the the mass communication platforms that we have now where everybody can wonder out loud, what's this French guy doing? What kind of football does he want to play? You know, why, why don't we have a defensive midfielder? All that kind of stuff. So we didn't have that debate anywhere that, that resonated the way that the debate about Unai Emery does. What, what have you made of the way that, that he picks his teams and he changes his formations? I mean, he spoke about... Uh, he spoke about this after the Bournemouth game. He said, we're happy. And the most important thing is that we're playing with different players in different matches. So he's talking about rotation. Uh, we're also playing with different systems. We need to use different players and different systems as each match is different. And it's good uh, at this moment that they can do that. So it seems very much like he is a guy who is not going to go out and play 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 or 3-5-2, whatever it is. He's not going to do that week after week after week 
and maybe something we have to get used to as fans is the fact that it is going to chop and it's going to change on a game-to-game basis. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, those who wanted a pragmatic coach have struck gold here. Um, you know, I think with Emery, essentially when he was appointed, I wrote the first six months of the season off. Um, you know, he had so much to figure out. There was, you know, the the Urzo issue, there was the Ramsey issue, there was, you know, he had two really good centre-forwards who he had to try and pick at the same time. There were systems and, and he had new signings to integrate. So, you know, I, I, I sort of gave him a bit of a pass mm. um, for that first, you know, six months or so, which is fairly reasonable. I mean, no one's going to come in and change everything overnight. Even, you know, Guardiola and Klopp struggled, you know, for their first seasons. I think I will say that I would prefer him to maybe lean towards uh, a style or a formation that he likes, um, whether that's the four-two-three-one, it usually is, or or, or a four-three-three. You know, because it it always gives the team like a default uh, setting to to revert to. Because um, sometimes you'd watch you'd watch Arsenal, you know, in in November, October, December, and there would be not a confusion, but there would be so little cohesion. Uh, the players didn't really know what to do or where to stand, um, you know, and that's and that's just down to the manager feeling out what he wants to do, which is fine. But I think as we as we progress towards the the latter stages of the season, I think he'll I think he will know, uh, despite what he said in in that quote you just read out. I think he will know what he he wants to do ultimately with this team, um, as and and I think. As we, as particularly in Europe, actually, I think having a base formation to say, right, this is our best eleven, this is our strongest team, this is how we're going to play, mm. um, that could really, really help the team. But there's no doubt away from home, uh, especially in the big games, having some tactical flexibility will will just make us a bit harder to figure out. Um, when in the past we've it's been the opposite of that, you know, Arsenal have had weaknesses over the top and you know set pieces gradually over the years so I think having a, maybe a joker card in there could could help him as well yeah I mean we do go into a, a big game this weekend uh, against Tottenham and you know you think back to the game we played against them at the Emirates and mm-hmm. it was one of the performances of the season I think people were really energized by the way we played, obviously by the result as well, you know, having gone ahead and then gone behind and come back uh, to, to win the game. But it was interesting from a tactical point of view, that game, because we started with a back three and ended up playing with a back four. Mm-hmm. And he shifted his team around as Pochettino shifted his team around as well. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the back three. And, you know, I'm not necessarily a, a huge fan of it. Um, in, in certain games, I can see how it works and, and there's a logic to it. In other games, uh, I'm a bit more circumspect about it. You know, the back three against Bournemouth the other night um, was evidence, of course, that we can go out and we can score goals and play good football while playing that particular formation so how do you view this weekend and what he's going to do the way he's going to approach uh, an away game at Tottenham on the big Wembley pitch I mean it feels to me like the back three is going to come back in again uh yeah I agree I think Bournemouth was 
I know he made six changes, but I think Bournemouth was the sort of the test run um, for for how we're going to play on on Saturday. And I I would lean towards it and say it's probably the right decision because Spurs are likely to to play for it at the back as well, depending on uh, how fit Jan Vertonghen is. Uh, I think he's going to be fine though after missing uh, the Chelsea game. I think at home. Uh, we played the diamond, like you said, against Spurs, which worked really well. We played it against Chelsea, uh, where Ramsey, you know, basically stuck on Jorginho for the whole game. And I think that worked brilliantly well as well. Uh, but away from home, we might just need a bit more uh, in, the, in the, you know, in the central areas, which uh, Spurs typically excel in. You know, they have Son, mm. Eriksen, Kane, who, who are not afraid to shoot. Um, so any space they get, they will be firing shots on, on target. I know they didn't at Stamford Bridge on on Wednesday night, um, but at home they are, you know, very strong side. Um, and I think I don't know what's going to happen at, at right wing back, depending on who's fit. But I think we could cause them problems because uh, their full backs, as you as you uh, as you saw, are not in the best of form at the moment. Mm. So. Um, I think that would probably be the way to go. Um, I don't think Urza will start. Um, no. I think it will be Mkhitaryan and Iwobi. Um, Who, elsewhere, I think uh, the back three would be uh, my my personal choice. Which I mean, let me ask you, which back three you would choose? Would you choose the back three that started the game on Wednesday? <laughs> I mean, yes, the, the, I would. Yeah. Okay, I so think the Stuffy is is fine on the bench where he is. Yeah. Um, uh, I like having a left-footed centre-back uh, on on the pitch as well because it, it's just so more natural the way we progress play mm. um, instead of whether it be Koscielny, Mustafi, Socrates, you know, their natural tendencies are to stay on their right. Um, so, you know, instantly when we give the ball to, to Nacho, for example, he can take one touch and just fizz it out wide. And even those shaving seconds off taking an extra touch can make such a big difference so yeah, i would yeah. i would stick to stick to the back three that started um against bournemouth yeah okay and here's here's the difficult question you know if it were you if you're in the hot seat if you're unai emery who are you playing a mm-hmm. uh, right wing back uh, in this game i'm gonna make the assumption maybe it's right or not that we will have stefan lichsteiner back i think he was in training but mm-hmm. uh, and Ma- ainsley maitland niles was in training as well this week but they weren't yeah. risked so he-, he was obviously holding them back one or the other of them of uh, uh for this game i thought carl jenkinson did fine on on Wednesday against Bournemouth, but I can't see him getting the nod for this one. So it feels like it's between Licksteiner and Maitland Niles. So if you had to plump for one over the other, who would you go for? First of all, I'd agree about Jenkinson. I thought he was, you know, it's a bit sad how he's become a bit of a meme now. Yeah, I agree. Um, when he hasn't really done too much wrong uh, in the grand scheme of things, he's just fallen out of favour. Um, I thought he did. he did a really good job. Uh, I would probably lean to, towards Maitland-Niles. Um, I know he has concentration issues. I know he has some some strange moments where he just sort of loses himself on the pitch. But I think his athleticism compared to Licksteiner, who hasn't really got much, if any, at all now, um, could could 
help not only going back but also going forward as well so i would probably lean towards maitland niles as long as he's fit of course okay um, yeah. so we're uh, i assume gonna field a midfield partnership of Shaka and Torreira. i would yeah, yeah. That's probably what's going to happen. So the the final one then is who's going to start up front. And I have to say, I think it's probably going to be Lacazette. Yeah. Okay. I think he's going to he's going to play Aubameyang. Okay. Um, Just to give us that out. I think we we're going to need that out because Spurs press ferociously in the middle. I mean, even you saw the Bournemouth. Then then no. You know they're not exactly a top side, and they still gave us a few issues when they when they pressed Torreira and Genduzzi. Um And I just think away from home, we'll sometimes we'll just need to knock it in the channel. And I think Lacazette's more than capable of doing that. Um, but against maybe a physical centre half that like Davinson Sanchez or Toby Alderweireld, they would fancy themselves up against Lacazette. Um, you know, they'd, they'd be fine getting tight with him and, mm. you know, maybe bullying him around a bit. But I think Aubameyang gives them a, a, a slight doubt in their mind about, oh, maybe if he spins me here, I'm in trouble. So um, I think he might start with Aubameyang. I would personally play Lacazette, but I think Emery, I think Emery will play Aubameyang. All right. Well, look, we'll wait and see. Uh, there are two good options for him to choose from, in fairness, as we've just said. So it's, yeah, a, it's a long way from... You know, having to pick between uh, Shamak and, and Bentner or something <laughs> like that. So we, we the good can, old days. The yeah. good old days, exactly. Look, we'll leave yeah. it there. We'll keep fingers crossed for a good result at the weekend. And Phil, thanks very much for, uh, for joining me today. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a million to Phil. You can find him on Twitter. He is at underscore Phil Costa, at underscore Phil Costa. And uh, hopefully whoever starts up front can get us the goals we need to win the game because it would be great to win, obviously, and put the shits up them and maybe rattle their little cages a bit more. Fingers crossed. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Now, on the Arscast Extra, we did say we would do the uh, the predictions once we got to 10 games from the end of the season. We are now 10 games from the end of the season because last night, Arsenal beat Bournemouth 5-1 last night. Well, yeah, last night, whenever people are listening to this. But when we're recording last night, Arsenal beat Bournemouth 5-1. James is with me. We're going to do this prediction thing. Uh, James, let me just ask you a quick question. Mesut Ozil, doing that thing he does where he kind of kicks the ball into the ground or kicks the arse of the ball to make it go up in the air. How how does this happen? How Have you ever tried to do it? Uh, I wouldn't dare. Right. I have no idea. You've tried, haven't you? I, I hurt. I, you know, like I tend to get to our five-a-side game on a Friday evening before anyone else because I'm old and I need to warm up. Um, so I think maybe after one of the times he did it earlier this season, I stood there for a while trying to, trying to do what he does, uh, with a rolling ball and also with a static ball. And all I did was, um, hurt myself. So I don't, I don't know how he does it. It's incredible. It is quite extraordinary. I've never seen anything quite like it. And it's very effective too. I can't Mm. remember many times he's tried it and it hasn't worked. Hmm. If any, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you think so? at some point keepers are going to suss this out now? Because they're expecting a shot to go across or go underneath them and they're and now they're thinking, okay, he's just going to dink this over me. He's going to pop it up over my head. So maybe he'll vary it up a bit and just roll one in next time. It, what else could he do? I mean, could he come up with something else, you know, where he sort of kicks his foot? I don't know, under the ground or something, and it comes up. It's, it is it is incredible. It looks like something where you could break your ankle trying it. Yeah, the Mesut Ozil um, mole shot where he exactly. literally puts his... Yeah, I don't know how he's... He burrows. Oh. Uh, yeah, but I mean, fortunately, he's not played that much recently, has he? So they've not had too much opportunity to get used to it. But if yeah. he plays like he did last night, we're seeing a lot more of him, I think. Well, I mean, look, th- these are the kind of games that everybody looked at and thought, OK, if Mesut Ozil comes back into the team, this is the sort of game where he can make an impact. He really did. Mm. I thought both himself and Mkhitaryan were brilliant. Uh, I think that was probably Mkhitaryan's best game. Yeah. Mm. I mean, when I think back over other games he's done well in, I mean, I think it was his debut, wasn't it, where he got three assists or something like that in a, mm. a similar scoreline. Uh, but yeah, this was as good as I've seen him play. And I, you know, we talked about Ozil's touch for his own goal, but I thought his his little touch for Mkhitaryan's goal was great as well. Yeah, I love Mkhitaryan's pass for Aubameyang. It was great to see him back on the score sheet. Uh, it's always nice when both Aubameyang and Lacazette score as well. So that, there was basically a lot to be happy about. In, for sure, for sure. Okay, well, look, we're going to go on and we're going to do these predictions because. Um, that's what we said we were going to do, and that's what that's what the people want. I think we should, before we start, give the requisite credit to uh, to the Arse to Mouse podcast, who who started this back in the day. Elliot, Tim, and Dave used to do this on that show. Sadly, defunct or very occasional at this point, and they they just sort of did it from an Arsenal point of view. I'm not crediting them with you know inventing the concept of predicting things. They didn't mm. do that, but they did do this uh, predictatron. I think they called it, and I believe as well. I uh, was speaking to Elliot. Uh, the Arsenal Vision podcast guys are going to do this as well, so it might be interesting to see uh, what they come up with in comparison to what we come up with, and whether some of our more mathematically or arithmetically minded people out there can can find the mean and find an average uh, based on what we're going to do. We were initially only going to do Arsenal, Man United, and Chelsea because we figured that was it. It was going to be a three horse race for for uh, the one place left in the top four, but. Because of 
Tottenham's recent form. I think they're getting dragged back into it, so we are going to we are going to try and predict Tottenham's results as well. So should we do it week by week, or should we do it club by club, or what way do you think we should do it? I think let's do it chronologically, week by week. Okay. Okay, well, uh, just to point out the uh, the situation at the moment, Arsenal are in, uh, Spurs are in third with 60 points, Arsenal are in fourth place with 56 points, United uh, in fifth place, 55 points, Chelsea uh, in sixth place with 53 points. So that's where we stand. We'll go through the games, we will then uh, add up the points and see what we come up with and uh, see how wrong or right we are come May. So we're starting this weekend, James. It is Arsenal against Spurs or Spurs against Arsenal at Wembley, uh, a North London derby. Form goes out the window, blah blah blah. But mm. what's your what's your thoughts on this one? It's a shame if form goes out the window because they've mm. lost two in a row and we're looking quite good. Yeah, uh, they're so hard to predict, aren't they? As games, mm. um, I am going to hedge my bets a little bit and I'm going to go for a draw. And I think that would be a a decent a result. draw. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually going to go for an Arsenal win here because... Uh, I love your confidence. Yeah, I just feel like we're overdue a win in a big game away from home. The law of averages is on our side. I'm I'm putting all my stock in the law of averages. Plus the fact that we do have Lacazette, we've got Aubameyang, we've got Mkhitaryan in form, we've got Mesut Ozil back to something approaching uh, good form again. We've got Aaron Ramsey, we've got Alex Iwobi. I think there's enough in our we've squad to cause of... We've also got Kieran Trippier. What a brilliant goal that was last night. Fantastic Giroud assist, you know? Yeah. Um, Very true. So I think that's I think that's uh, I think it's a win for us this weekend. So uh, maybe it's hopelessly optimistic and maybe a bit stupid, but that's what I'm going for. Um, Manchester United are playing Southampton at home, and I can't see anything other than a win there for United. No arguments for me. No, I think United will win that game pretty comfortably. Uh, Chelsea are playing Fulham away from home at Craven Cottage and again I think it's uh, it's going to be a win for Chelsea. Yes, Fulham are terrible, aren't they? Absolutely awful. They're down. Yeah, it does look like it, doesn't it? Yes, very Isn't much it interesting so. that Callum Chambers uh, who apparently has played pretty well all season for for Fulham uh, is probably going to replicate something he didn't want to replicate which is going on loan to a Premier League club playing well and um, you know getting plenty of praise for the way he's played but also getting relegated because it happened with him at Borough as well yeah and the tricky thing is it sort of prohibits a permanent move doesn't it you know even if he's doing quite well at Fulham I Mm. doubt he wants to go down to the championship so I doubt they would have the money necessarily to buy him at this point so it'll be interesting Mm. to see what happens to him come the summer Uh, it will be and also because he is a homegrown player it might be Mm. interesting to see what Arsenal's plan are for him this summer. I think the perceived wisdom is that we're going to be letting him go, but I'm not 100% sure on that, to be honest. Um, We'll wait and see. Okay, Manchester United at home. Um, What what do you reckon? Another... I mean, these are big, big games, aren't they? I mean, after Spurs and United... Hey, you filled in a draw for me already on the spreadsheet. I did, yeah. I've got a spreadsheet here. I could hear in your voice that you were going to go for a draw. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. <laughs> I am going to go for a draw. I'll tell you why. There's a sort of deeper logic to it here, which is that this, these Spurs and United games, I think we could easily 
kind of win one, lose one. So mm. I'm going to go for two draws and two points and hope that that sort of vaguely evens out. But it's really hard to call. What do you think? I think a draw. I think we'll draw this one. Um, maybe you'd think at home, given our record there, we... we We've got a good chance to to beat United, but uh, you know they came to us a few weeks ago, didn't they, in the FA Cup and and played well, and we didn't play particularly well. I know we had some injuries during that game as well, but uh, I, I think a draw there. But I mean, if you were to ask me, two draws or one win from one of those games, I'd obviously take one win simply because of the number of points it is. Mm. I'd rather that win was Tottenham, but I don't know. It's and the damage it does to them, mm. to our opponents, of course, because it's so tight now. Mm. So, so I mean, tight. it's a six pointer. It is a six-pointer. I mean, yeah. if we beat United there, it's you know, it's uh, it would give us a great advantage. Um, so we'll see. But I just have a feeling we're not going to win both of those big games. Um, so I'm going to go for a draw there. Chelsea have got Wolves at home. Yes, I think Chelsea will win that one. Uh, they seem to have come out of the Carabao Cup final and surprisingly decent shape I mean they played okay on that day and they beat Spurs I think they'll be on a bit of a not a roll but you know I think they'll be alright for a while so I think they'll beat Wolves yeah yeah, me too I've got a win down here for Wolves Tottenham have got Southampton away and I think they're going to win that I think they will win it as well okay I'm just sticking the sticking the W in here. Now, uh, we were to have a game against Wolves, which we'll do at the end, but that's been postponed because of the FA Cup. So we've got Newcastle at home. I'm going for an Arsenal win there. That's an Arsenal win all day long, I'd say. Okay. Watford. Uh, Manchester United face Watford at home. Afraid that looks like a United win for me. Yeah, me too. They weren't very good last night against Liverpool, and uh, we're getting there. Chelsea go to Everton. Mm. Everton are confusing, aren't they? I mean, potentially yeah, so they <laughs> potentially they could be quite good, but generally they're a bit shit. I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for a draw. Okay, I'm going to go for a, uh, a Chelsea win there. Um, and then we've got Crystal Palace. Spurs against Crystal Palace at home, so at Wembley. I would think Spurs would win that one. You're going to go for a Tottenham win. I am going to go for a draw in that game. Palace are sort of better on the road, it seems like. Yeah, and also I feel like they're a team who can stick a spoke in the oar a little bit. Or spoke in the wheel, rather. Spoke in the oar? That doesn't make any sense. But, uh, you know, that that might also apply to us. Everton away, James. All the away games are difficult, aren't they? Um, (laughs) Everton away. I said Chelsea will draw. I think we... Oh, I've predicted a lot of draws for Arsenal. That's bad, isn't it? What do you think? I'm going to let you go first. I think we're going to win that game just about. I think it's going to be difficult, but we'll win it. I'm going to go for a win as well. Okay. Manchester United uh, go to Wolves. That's quite a tough game, you know. Mm. I know it's a trip that we have to make as well. Uh, I think that you could be looking at a draw in that game. Okay, a draw. I think I'm going to go for a United win in that one. Um, Fair enough. Chelsea are playing Cardiff away. I think Chelsea will win that. So do I. Tottenham are playing Liverpool away. I think Liverpool will win that. I just feel like at home they're pretty 
They're pretty difficult to be, aren't they? Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, we've got Watford away, and again, I'm going to go first here. Two difficult away games on the trot with potentially some uh, Europa League in the middle. I'm still going to go for a win for Arsenal in that game. Yeah, I think uh, on the whole, we've got a pretty decent record at Vicarage mm. Road, so I'm going to go for a win as well. West Ham entertain Manchester United that weekend, and I think United are going to draw that game. Okay, well, I think they're going to win it. Um, okay. So there we go. Um, I have obviously fucked up here somewhere along the way because I've also got Chelsea playing West Ham that weekend. That can't be right, can it? Um, mm, should we investigate? I've. Uh, w- that's. Let me see. How Chelsea could that be possible? Uh, After it- the Cardiff game, they do. On the Monday night, they played Chelsea... Chelsea versus West Ham on the 8th of April. Right. And United play West Ham on the 13th of April. Okay. So I think that is correct. Okay. They're not on the same weekend, but they, those are the fixtures in that order. Okay. All right. I think Chelsea will draw that game. At Stamford Bridge? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, you have them winning every other game, to be fair. So I, I think Chelsea will beat West Ham at Stamford Bridge. Okay. Tottenham take on Brighton at home. Oh, that's a really sad Spurs win. <laughs> I think I'll also go for a win there. Um, Crystal Palace at home for Arsenal. For me, that's a win. Yes, I think so too. At the Emirates Stadium. Okay. Everton away for Manchester United. Everton, the confusingest team that we try and predict here. Yeah, you just don't know, do you? Uh, Everton away. I think they'll win, actually. So do I. So do I. Chelsea face Liverpool at Anfield. worrying me. Yeah. at these numbers. Yeah. Um, Chelsea face Liverpool at Anfield. Um, I think... Oh, I don't know. I think that Chelsea might get a draw. Okay. I'm going to go for a Chelsea defeat there even though I have worries about Liverpool and their, you know... Uh, staying power. Their staying power, or just how uh, how the pressure might get to them at some point. So um, yeah, we'll see there. Spurs play Huddersfield at home. Can I just put the W in there? Is that fine? Feel free. Yeah. Feel free. Leicester away for Arsenal. I think we're going to lose. Ooh, I think we're going to draw, but I do have a... F- funny feeling about that fixture that I don't like. I don't know, I don't know if it's Big Brandy, but something's got me feeling not happy about that game. Big Brandy and his shiny white gnashers. Imagine Brendan Rodgers and Jamie Vardy in tandem. Oh, I shudder to think of what could happen what, in that like, match. Like the human centipede? That kind of... T- <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I just... I feel like Leicester, you know, they've got a new manager. They might have a little bit of a bump between now and the end of the season. I've just got to worry about that game. So that's mm. my first Arsenal defeat I've predicted there. Okay, all right. Arsenal's Man- still unbeaten in your in your predictions. So. We are, yeah, which is, now that I think about it, <laughs> pretty fucking optimistic, but there you go. <laughs> uh, Manchester United are playing Manchester City at home, and I'm going for a defeat for Manchester United in that game. I think City are going to do them. I think it's going to be a draw. Okay. It's going to be a draw. Burnley <sighs> at home for Chelsea. That's a win for Chelsea, surely. I'm afraid so. Okay, Manchester City away for Tottenham. 
I I think City will win that. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a City win because they'll be chasing potentially. And yep, Brighton at home. Arsenal face Brighton at home. It has to be a win. Got to be a W. Got to be in the W there. Chelsea at home for Manchester United. I'm gonna go for the D. Go for a draw in that particular game. Are oh, you? Yeah. Mm. Uh, Andre, are you? I'm going to go for uh, a United win. <sighs> United win. United are unbeaten in your predictions. In mine, United are absolutely flying. But to be fair, they won eight away games on the spin, haven't they? Or something. I mean, yeah. not bad at home either. Yeah. Okay. Spurs are playing West Ham at home. Spurs are beating them, aren't they? Uh, no, they're not. They're going to lose. They're going to lose. West Ham. Really? Against You've got West Tottenham. Ham throwing a few spanners in the West. Yeah. Again, to, at the end You've of the season. You've got West Ham drawing at Chelsea as well. Yeah. And beating Spurs at Wembley. Yeah, I think, you know, it's what they they live for. It's all and they've got. And you've got them drawing at Old Trafford. Tell Have me. Have you seen West Ham? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe one of those will come true, but who knows? <laughs> I'm just throwing them out there. Burnley away for Arsenal. That's a difficult game. It is, but I think Arsenal will win that game. I think that could be a draw. Hopefully in the last minute by a dodgy refereeing decision. Oh, do I think it's a draw or do I think we should we should win that? Holy shit, we're winning a lot of games in my predictions here and I'm not necessarily as but confident. But so West Ham. So, so we, don't know, we don't know what to believe. <laughs> Huddersfield away from Manchester United. A couple of W's there, I reckon. Yeah. Watford at home for Chelsea. Couple of W's a, there. A win, yeah. Okay, Bournemouth away for Spurs. Bournemouth away. I think Spurs will win. I think it's going to be a draw. I think okay. Spurs are going to Spurs the end of the season right up. So, uh, yeah, you've got Spurs dropping quite a lot of points, promisingly. Yeah, <laughs> Wolves away for Arsenal. I'm another another fixture that worries me. I'm going to say. A draw. A draw. I think I'm also going to go for a draw there. Uh, United play Cardiff at home, so that's a couple of Ws. A win. Chelsea, Leicester away. Are Leicester going to do the double over Arsenal and Chelsea? I think that's going to be a draw. Yeah, I'm going for a draw. No Chelsea defeat. I haven't predicted a single Chelsea defeat. Mm. Or Or a United defeat either. So... Wow, that doesn't look good, does it? No. The old sums at the end. It doesn't. Um, okay, so we've got a uh, final fixture here, Tottenham against Everton. I think that might be a draw. A draw. I think I'm going to go for a Tottenham win there. Okay. Because at home, final day of the season, oh, I know the pressure usually gets to them on the final day of the season. Think exactly. about the Newcastle game. But nevertheless, I'll go for a win, maybe to balance out that ridiculous West Ham <laughs> prediction. So uh, let me have a look here and see what we've got in terms of points. So from an Arsenal point of view, I've predicted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins. So that's 21 points and uh, three draws. That's... 24, 24 points in in total, which gives us a total of... 80. 80. That's... that's quite, Plenty of points. That's quite a lot of points. You've got, for Arsenal, you've got one, one, two, three, four, five, six wins. That's 18 and three, 21. So you've got 77. Yours feels a bit more realistic to me, to be honest. Uh, United. 
I've got one, two, three, four, five, six wins. So that's 18 and one, two, three draws. Uh, 21. 21 on top of 55, which is 76. Oh, it's very tight. And you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven United wins mm. and three draws, 24 points, which would give them a total of 79. So mm. either way, between the two of us, um, yeah, I've got it a bit ahead of you, but there's only one point uh, in the in the predictions. So Chelsea, one, two, three, four, five, six wins, 18, one, two, three. Hang on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, how am I doing this? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six wins, three draws you've got. Six wins, three draws. I'm wondering have one, two, three, okay. Six wins and three draws is um, 21, 21 again. So that leaves Chelsea with a total of 74. Everyone's getting about 21 points, we reckon, I yeah. think, from these 10 games. And you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Again, 27 and three. 21, seven. 24. You've got 24. You've got Chelsea getting 24. So that's 77. Okay. And Tottenham, and I've got one, two, three, four, five wins, which is 15, and two draws, which is 17, which brings them to 77. And you've got one, two, three, four, five, six wins, and one, two draws, so 20 points, which brings them to 80. So let's do your table first, because... Uh, and we'll do my table first, because I think yours is more fun. Right. So, my table has in sixth place, well, in sixth and fifth place, is this right? Yes, tied on points and it will come down to goal difference, which currently we lead. So let's say that in sixth place, I've got Chelsea. On fifth place, by virtue of goal difference, okay, I've got Arsenal, on both on 77 points. In fourth place, I have Manchester United making it by two points. 79 points qualifying for the Champions League. Mm. And then Spurs clinging on to third by a point on 80 points. So from third to sixth, because it goes Spurs, United, Arsenal, Chelsea. Okay. So I have us missing out on the top four. Okay, so we need the Europa League in your scenario. Whereas in mine, I've got Chelsea. I've got Chelsea in sixth. So we agree on that. I've got... United in fifth. Mm. I've got uh, Spurs in fourth. I've got Arsenal in third. Am I drunk? What the fuck is wrong with me? We owe West Ham plenty. (laughs) That's all I can say. We are all West Ham fans now. Yeah. I mean, looking at your predictions... You have gone for us to beat Spurs away and then draw with United at home. So I think we'll get a, a good feel quite early on for how plausible that is. I mean, it is plausible. If we if we get those results, that would be absolutely massive. It sure would. I just can't, you know, in fairness, having looked at this in total now that I've predicted 10 games, there's a part of me that goes, we're, we're not going to be that flawless between now and the end of the season. You know, particularly when we take into account the fact we've got Europa League football as well. So... Yeah. I mean, I think... Uh, from the 40 games, I've only predicted three 
one, two. I think I've only predicted three losses from the forty games, which feels uh, slight. You know, that feels like not enough. Yeah, I wonder it, is there I, a case where it's you know we're looking at the opposition and thinking they're not going to lose that kind of game, whereas we can more easily see us drop points, even though mm. I've had them the points dropped in terms of defeats. Or yeah. draws rather than defeats, draws you know? Defeats. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there'll probably be more slip-ups than either of us have predicted. But, I mean, it would be a very high set of points, wouldn't it, for sixth place to be, you know, in the mid-70s, mid to late 70s, uh, would be quite extraordinary. It would. Let me just uh, look at the final table of last season and see um, what that would have done or what, what sort of points were there so let me just uh, yeah let's just check that. that what I said made any sense before we uh... so last season 75 points would get you fourth right Liverpool finished fourth with 75 points um, Tottenham yeah, we third with, yeah we were way back way back Tottenham third with 77 United second with 81 so finishing in third with 80 is there or thereabouts I guess um but yeah, I mean, look, third and eighty would be an absolutely incredible end to the season. It would you know, be. Give Unai Emery another five-year deal or something immediately. Uh, <laughs> if we're playing in that sort of form, we're winning the Europa League too. Yeah, but I, yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm encouraged a little bit, James, by the fact that we've won the last two games. I know the opposition haven't been particularly brilliant, but what has been encouraging for me is a, we've played some pretty good football in those two games and B, we've played pretty good football while rotating the squad fairly heavily. He made six changes for the team uh, to face Southampton on Sunday uh, from the team that beat Bate. And then again, last night, there were six changes. You know, Mm. so uh, six changes and a formation change as well. So some of the concerns we had about maybe the players being a bit bamboozled by everything they're being asked to do or the constant changing around in terms of formation or system, uh, you know, back three, back five, back four, whatever it might be, maybe isn't quite the case. Um, so that that to me is encouraging. And we, uh, we have, in fairness, um, often gone as a club on runs towards the end of the season. If you think about the, remember the time we overtook Tottenham to get into fourth? Remember when they were doing all the mind the gap stuff and, and all that kind of all that kind of crack? I know it's a bit more competitive this year, but, you know, it's it's within our wheelhouse as a football club to do that. And I was going oh, to make yeah. another very important and interesting point there, but I've forgotten what it is. Um, well, <laughs> I think oh, you're yeah. right. We've, Sorry, oh, I remember. We, we have kind of gone through our patch of really iffy form hopefully yes we hope so (laughs) we hope so you know so it it might well be a case that we've we've gone through the doldrums a little bit in december um and january perhaps to an extent because we did have all those injuries and we found it hard to keep players fit and to field a a reasonable back four but those problems touch wood uh, appear to be behind us or certainly emery's got a lot more to choose from in terms of his squad so you know, with all mm. those things in mind, maybe, maybe it's uh, it's the kind of run we can get on if we can build some momentum. Maybe. I mean, you know, sort of looking at it from my point of view, from the 10 Arsenal games remaining, I only predicted six wins. And despite that, we were still just two points off the top four mm. in my final ranking. So it suggests it's really, really close. And one game could swing it and be the difference. And that was with Man U going unbeaten. So... 
It is tight. One of the things that would concern me, I know once we play Spurs and United, we've got sort of seemingly quite easy opposition, but of our 10 remaining games, I think six are away, mm. only four at the Emirates Stadium. So that would be sort of what might cause some alarm there. You know, yeah. uh, Conversely, I think United have got six home games in that period. So it's really tough one to call. Hopefully Spurs completely implode and there's two two places up for grabs. That would make things a bit easier. It would, it would. And, you know, as, uh, as much as... Uh, going on a run is within our capability so is it within theirs to do yeah. exactly that you know to absolutely yeah. fuck things up and to to feel the pressure so fingers crossed you know there were perhaps some signs of it as well weren't there in the the game against Burnley when Pochettino lost his uh, reason and uh, confronted Mike Dean which you know in fairness we'd all like to do uh, but it is a sign of perhaps the pressure on him Harry Kane last night throwing the head on was it Pedro or whoever the Aspiliqueta mm. one of those I mean, he should he should immediately get a 15-game ban for that. But having said that, they were doing quite well when he was out. And now that he's come yeah. back, maybe just keep him in the team. He's going to score against us on Saturday, isn't he? Uh, almost certainly. But I... Unless, unless yes. we apply the Charlie Austin dynamic... As we did against Southampton last week, Charlie Austin That's- always scores against us and didn't. So maybe exactly. the universe is, you know, shining, uh, smiling on us from on high. Please. That's right. And, Please. I, and I, you know, I, I talked up Nathan Ake, didn't I? And he shipped five goals. So <laughs> I just should take this opportunity to say what's a tremendous striker I believe Harry Kane to be. Okay. Uh, well, let's see how that works out. Let's see how that plays out. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, this league. And, and looking at, I mean, in my predictions, I've got sixth and third separated by three points. It's just very, very tight. And all we can do is... All we can do is try and accumulate as many points as possible. But it does feel like the Spurs game and the United game mm. will have a huge bearing on everything. Y- yeah, comes. for sure. For sure. I mean, if we come through those two games well, then you you give yourself a platform, don't you, to go into those final games and maybe give yourself a bit of margin for error. But, you know, because of the 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 six-pointiness of, of those particular fixtures, if it goes wrong, then you're, you're facing a real uphill challenge. Um, so, look, the next two weeks are going to be very important. Uh, from a domestic point of view, but also European as well, because we do face Ren in the uh, in the Europa League. Okay, well, James, look, thank you for uh, joining me in this exercise in both futility and hopeless optimism. <laughs> we'll see where we end up, and uh, we'll chat on Monday in the Arscast Extra, in which, of course, we will be looking back on the North London Derby. Wow. Speak to you then. Will do. Bye-bye. Okay, the very um, eagle-eared... Can you be eagle-eared? What would be like the ear equivalent of eagle-eyed, James? That's a really good question. Bat-eared? Bat-eared, yeah. That's the correct... The bat-eared among you. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have noticed that we kind of fucked it up a little bit because we forgot one Chelsea fixture, um, which wasn't listed in the fixture uh, thing that I was looking at because the game is postponed and not yet rescheduled. And that was because of their involvement in the Carabao Cup final, uh, which they lost, you might remember. But it's a game against Brighton. Um, 
and it's a home game against Brighton. Mm. So, so I think they'll win that. I also think they will win that. Now, this wreaks havoc with my league table. It does, because this means that uh, my prediction for Chelsea then is 77 points and your prediction is 80 points. So, you've got Tottenham and Chelsea. You're looking Both at, on 80 points. Yeah. So, your, difference your sixth becomes Arsenal. Your fifth yeah. is United. And then it's... Chelsea and Spurs in third and fourth, whichever whichever team has the best goal difference there. So that's yours. And what does it mean for mine? It just means for you that... Uh, Chelsea finish above United. And United exactly. finish in sixth. Chelsea fifth. Spurs still in fourth. And Arsenal still in third place because I'm a hopeless romantic... And optimistic. Well, actually, it could limited. push Spurs out of the Champions League because you've got them level on points with Chelsea at this point. Okay, so, yeah. That would be nice. I mean, it's interesting that you've predicted us to come third and I've predicted us to come sixth. I think it's just you're an inherently optimistic person <laughs> and I'm inherently pessimistic. Yeah, and maybe somewhere in the middle, the truth lies. We'll, we'll see. Fifth. It will be fifth, after all. <laughs> Fourth and a half. Can yeah. we do that? <laughs> we can do half sizes. Okay. Well, there we go. We've corrected that uh, mistake, and it has a significant impact on James's predictions. Not much of an impact on mine. Uh, so we'll we'll I've see. I've been very it generous to Chelsea, haven't I? Eighty you have. points. You have. You know, considering the troubles they've been having under Sari, and I know everything is now hunky dory between uh, him and uh, Ariza Balaga. But uh, I've got. Caballero leading them to an extraordinary haul of points. Captain Caballero. Uh, yeah. Well, look, try it yourself. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it is tricky to know. It Basically, is. We, we don't know, do we? We've had a good go and we don't know. We don't know, exactly. I think it's a theme of this podcast in general. We don't know. We just don't know. But I'm, I'm actually curious now to see how those predictions tally up against the, uh, the Arsenal vision. Uh, guys, when they do this, it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with and where they see us finishing. Um, Learn from our mistakes, guys. Remember, <laughs> Chelsea have 11 games. Remember, Chelsea aren't that good. Remember, West Ham aren't that good. <laughs> You're spoiling my mood here. I was so happy with our third place finish there for a little Listen, while. Listen, I desperately hope you're right. I desperately hope you're right. Okay, we've done it. We've uh, corrected our mistake, uh, as we always try and do. Um, so uh, let's see where it takes us. And again, James, thanks very much, and we'll chat on Monday. Yes, bye-bye again. So those are the uh, predictions. Like I said at the start of the show, I think I did get a little bit carried away in terms of looking at the opposition and thinking, yeah, yeah, come on, we can beat those guys. Fuck them. And then sort of ignoring the, you know, reality of our football at times this season, our away record, and the fact we've got to play Europa League on top of all this as well. But hey, it could happen, you know, it could. I mean, you know... It probably won't. I mean, it almost definitely won't. 
But there you go. We'll see. Will Arsenal finish in the Champions League places? Time will tell. Far more than our predictions will. So we've previewed the Tottenham game. We've talked about the Bournemouth game. We've done all the predictions. We're going to leave it there for today. There is a huge game coming up this weekend. Fingers crossed we can get the right result. It's about time, isn't it, that we won a big game away from home. It is overdue. So come on, Arsenal. Stick it to them. Make their week even more miserable. Maybe even Harry Kane might do something he gets punished for. An act of ill-discipline. We'll see him taken to task by the game's authorities. Yeah, that's as wildly optimistic as my predictions. But there you go. James and I will be here on Monday. We will be uh, discussing the North London Derby. Hopefully it will be a goodly morning. We'd be delighted to uh, share that goodly morning with you. So in the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. This is Talkshite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. Coming up a little later, we've got Sam Allardyce in studio. Big Sam is going to tell us all about the brand new Mussolini tattoo he's got. But first, the North London derby this weekend. Arsenal fans are going crazy because of Harry Kane. They feel he got away lightly for his indiscipline on Wednesday night. We wanted to get to the bottom of this, so who better than the top man in the FA? Blenkinsop Carmichael, welcome to TalkSport. Yes, I'm sure it's a pleasure to be here. Do you think the Arsenal fans have a point? Harry Kane did appear to headbutt the opponent on Wednesday night. Yes, well, FA rules say that if the official has seen the incident and doesn't deem it worthy of a caution order sending off at the time, then there's nothing we can do. Yes, you're quite right. And indeed, the referee replay show did see the incident and he saw the follow-up incident in which... Harry Kane channeled his inner Alan Shearer and booted the man in the head while he was lying on the ground. Hmm, yes, well, the precedent has been set there in the past when, of course, Alan Shearer was highly commended for kicking that very irritating Irishman, John Lennon or whatever he was called. Yes, of course, of course, you're making it very difficult to argue with you, but some people would say the moment when Kane ripped off his opponent's arm, beat him about the head with it, took his corpse and defiled it in the centre circle in front of everybody live on TV with children watching, that he probably just went a little bit too far. Mm, Some people might say that, but not the F.A., We are very much of the opinion that if more people showed the kind of gumption that Harry Kane did, this country would be in a far, far better place. What a convincing argument you make. Just to play devil's avocado for a moment, what about Granit Xhaka getting a 14-game ban for 
scratching his nose towards the referee in an aggressive manner. Clearly, he brought the game into terrible, terrible disrepute. Uh, how exactly did he do that? I'm, uh, I'm not quite getting it. Oh, my dear boy. By not being England captain, of course. Thank you very much indeed to Blenkinsop Carmichael, head of the FA. We are going to take a quick break for a commercial. After that, can Alan Pardew chug a pint of Alan Brazil's freshly expressed breast milk inside 10 seconds? We'll find out right here on Talkshite Radio. Talkshite Radio, talking shit about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 